Welcome back to Co-op Energy Talk. I'm your host, Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative. In this episode, we are talking about something incredibly scintillating and something that many industries are struggling with at the moment, which is the supply chain. And essentially, you know, kind of like what happens if we don't have the materials we need to keep your lights on, restore your power, help you build your new home, etc. Well, thankfully for Cherryland, that's not a question we've had to answer because for more than 40 years, we've been a member of the Rural Electric Supply Cooperative or Resco. They are our primary supplier for everything from poles and transformers to meter bases and spools of wire. And since they are a co-op, just like us, uh, they also operate not-for-profit and we get capital credits from them based on their margins. In the last five years, Cherryland has received nearly $372,000 in capital credits from Resco. But more importantly, what our partnership with Resco gives us is a long-term relationship that is tied to making sure that we have access to the supplies we need to build and maintain our system and keep our members' lights on. So we had a, a opportunity recently to sit down with Doug Booker, who is the VP of Sales and Manufacturer Relations at Resco, and just kind of talk through who Resco is, their history, how long they've been around, and then dig deeper into the trends he's seeing in the demand for raw materials and electric supplies and how it's impacting cooperatives and also how COVID impacted the supply chain and what challenges we're facing today and may face in the future, just to help make sure that our members and all of the listeners of Co-op Energy Talk understand the very real supply chain challenges we face, but also understand that our partnership with Resco has us well-equipped to meet those challenges. So there's really a lot to know about Resco, which stands for Rural Electric Supply Cooperative. And that's why I'm really excited to have uh, Doug Booker here with us today, who is Resco's VP of Sales and Manufacturing in relation. So, Doug, I was hoping you could maybe kick us off by just kind of, I guess, introducing yourself and also just talking kind of high level about who Resco is and what, what you all do. Sure. Well, thank you for having me this morning. Uh, yeah, Resco, as you mentioned, we're Electric Supply Cooperative. We're a member-owned, not-for-profit distributor of electric distribution and transmission material. Uh, we were founded in 1936 by the co-ops in the state of Wisconsin. We're a, as I mentioned, a nonprofit entity. Um, we cover currently 11 states uh, in the upper Midwest, and we are an aggregator of material for the co-ops. We, we were founded by our members to be a buying group, and we take that function seriously today, and it's something we continue to do. So, Doug, you talk about working with co-ops across 11 states, and obviously, you know, you started in Wisconsin, that's expanded. Why, why is it that co-ops want to become Resco members, and, and what is the value to co-ops of having Resco working on our behalf on supply chain issues? Yeah, I, I think the, the value is the model. Um, you know, being not-for-profit, we return any excess margins at the end of the year in the form of capital credits, uh, very much like, like Cherryland and the other co-ops that we work with. Um, you know, th there's, there's power and volume, and I think the opportunity to aggregate material purchases and quantities helps, um, whether that's standardization of material across the board, the more utilities using the same like product gives buying power to everybody. Uh, joint planning and forecasting. Uh, we work very closely with our members, especially in times like this for forecasting projects and demand. Uh, and we try and take them into account. Um, also inventory um, position, we, we carry um, roughly $30 million in inventory across seven warehouses. Uh, Cherryland is served 
primarily from our Mount Pleasant, Michigan location, uh, but we do have redundant in inventory across the states if needed. So the model, and, and, and we promote the model all the time as a nonprofit entity, we don't have the same motives as, as some of the other business models have. And uh, we try and be very, very fair and competitive with what we provide for service and, uh, and levels of inventory. Thanks, Doug. And I think just to put that in perspective for Cherrylands members, if you think about what you just said, you said we, we keep $30 million in inventory across our warehouses. Cherryland is a, a $50 million a year utility. We keep a, a, under a million dollars a year in inventory here. And so for us to have access to $30 million worth of inventory, the purchasing power that that brings without having to keep all of that on our balance sheet, which wouldn't be realistic at all anyway, uh, is, is, is incredibly valuable for our members. And as you point out, especially in time, when supply chains are tight and the mm -hmm. ability to, you know, there's, it's always fun to be nimble, but sometimes you also just need to have a little more power than nimbleness. So can, can we dig a little bit into some of the supply chain issues that you're seeing right now affecting the co-ops and kind of sure. how, how we're handling it? So let's maybe just kind of start at the global level. Like what are you seeing with supply chain today? Well, su supply chain is extremely stressed. Um, we're at a point where, frankly, demand has outpaced production capability for a lot of the manufacturers across the board. And, and it's not just necessarily one manufacturer of a certain product, it's all manufacturers of like products. So the demand is such that uh, for transformers, for example, there's, there's four to six main manufacturers in the industry of distribution transformers and every one of them is at peak production capacity every one of them is full so we talked about you know at one time just in time and lean inventory and and low levels were the trend and they made a lot of sense uh, actually today we are asking our members to take a hard look at their inventory and on certain key areas, uh, maybe they want to increase what they're carrying and what they have. Um, you know, the demand is, is, is real. Um, we are seeing a lot of growth. Interest rates are low. People are building. Um, they're doing a lot of work plans. And so uh, the demand continues to rise um, at unprecedented levels for me. I, I've been in the industry pushing, you know, 28 years. And other than the housing market boom in 2007 and 2008, we haven't seen, you know, lead times the way they are. And so that demand is is stressing a lot of different things, and and I'm happy to you know to go into some of the detail on what's causing it if you'd like. Yeah, I th and I think uh, let's do talk about those two things uh, kind of separately. So demand, and then sure. we can talk a little bit about supply. But because um, uh, I definitely want to dig into the because uh, when you talked about lean, it just really struck me like yeah, this this kind of abiding idea. We're starting to see some of the consequences of it. But on the demand side of things, can you talk about where those pressures are coming from? Because one trend I'm watching really with some interest at Cherryland is as people are moving out of cities because they can now work from anywhere, there are certain rural areas that are poised to benefit from that growth, but that growth also re requires infrastructure, right? So so what, uh, what kinds of trends do you think are leading to the demand pressures on the electric supply side of things? Well, it, it's definitely growth in the rural areas. Um, people, whether it's been tired of being cooped up in COVID and want more space to roam or whatever that happens to be, 
we certainly see growth outside the the cities, um, which is where most of the co-ops fall for infrastructure purposes. Um, I think, you know, as broadband continues to grow and there's more internet access in the rural areas, people can work from home, more people wanna work remotely and and that's driving that demand. Uh, So there's definitely a push for that infrastructure and and the challenge of getting it out there. Um, You know, a lot of material that we sell is used for the electric utilities, but it's also used for the make readies and the build out for fiber optic. And so there's some pressures there now that maybe weren't there five years ago, where two different sectors are looking for the same product to do the same thing. And again, capacity is limited. So it it makes it very challenging to have enough material for both groups to build like they want to build. And then you've got incentive dollars and and those types of things out there pushing it too. What kind of an impact do you think the federal infrastructure um, spending packages will have? I think it will be interesting to watch because what we're seeing a lot of from the demand then goes into the raw materials to build. And so, you know, if you look at what aluminum and copper and steel and those commodities have done in the last 18 months, um, the the inflation it's creating, uh, you know, Resco tracks every unit, every item we sell throughout the year. And we look at what our cost has done on material. And and we saw roughly a 10 percent level of inflation on the material that we purchase and resell in 2021. Um, And that's the average. There were many items that were a lot higher. So specifically to the infrastructure bill, you know, one of the things that we think about is, you know, the steel that it takes to build the tank of a transformer. That's the same steel that they're going to use in an I-beam for a bridge. It's the same steel that's going into buildings. It's the same steel in a ground rod. And so uh, what we're seeing a lot of and, and hearing from the manufacturers are actual allocations. And the steel mills are putting our providers or our suppliers on allocations. That in turn puts Resco on allocations. And so in the first time in, in my career, we have manufacturers coming to us and putting us on allocation of available product and saying, we're only going to sell you X amount in 2022. You need to figure out, Resco, how you're going to sub-allocate that to your customers and your members. And so to the point of being a member of Resco, uh, our members definitely get top priority as we're allocating material when there's only a limited amount of production available. Sure. And I would think that on two levels, we're benefiting. So one is the fact that as members, we benefit from getting priority allocation through RESCO. And then RESCO, by being able to do that on behalf of co-ops across 11 states, gets a little more priority than if it was just Cherryland going to one of these steel manufacturers and saying, hey, we're going to need a solid 50 transformers next year. Maybe you could help us out, right? That just wouldn't right. rise to the the top in terms of priority. But what's what's interesting about what you're saying is it's not just growth in the electric industry or in our infrastructure that's putting pressures or adding to the demand for the products we're reliant on. It's all these other things at play, whether it's broadband or federal infrastructure packages or just increase in housing in non-co-op ter- territories as well, all of those things there's a, are, are putting pressures on limited resources. So on the, if we switch over to the manufacturing capacity and supply side of things, what are the trends you see with, with manufacturers besides allocating, besides allocations that, that you think people should be aware of? 
Well, I, I think they're facing the same challenges that, that every other industry is, whether it's labor, whether it's freight and shipping, uh, whether it's capacity to produce. I mean, early on, a lot of what we saw COVID-related had to do with uh, raw material and component parts that were coming from overseas that were needed to, to do finished good product. And so early on, there was a there was that delay in getting the components that they needed to build. Um, now, what we're seeing more of from a COVID-related situation is workforce. Hmm. Uh, we're seeing shifts go down. And, you know, if, if I'll use a, you know, cable manufacturing facility, for example, you know, they may run 12 to 15 people a shift on a certain line to build cable. And they can lose a whole shift if COVID happens to go through. So um, there's some COVID-related um, loss of productivity right now. Um, again, freight is a, is a huge deal, um, whether it's trying to get things off of ships that have been in port from overseas, get those moved out. Um, Long-haul trucking, there's a shortage now of trucks available. I, I saw a really interesting stat a few weeks ago from one of our manufacturers that said, for every nine loads that need to be hauled from Texas north, there's five trucks available to do that. And so uh, we hear a lot of times that delivery is a challenge and finding the right trucks to do it and, and people available. So I would say uh, those two things are really impacting what can be done. And then just labor in general, uh, finding enough people um, to fill the plants. The, the interesting thing about supply chains is nobody pays attention to them <laughs> until they scream and they're screaming right now. And then when you really start to peel it back and look at it, it's just so complex. So many moving pieces that all have to happen in the exact right order at the exact right time in order for someone to be able to flip a switch that their electric co-op is powering. And when you really peel all that back and you're saying, oh, trucking issues in Texas, I, that shouldn't matter, but it does because it's all so interconnected. Um, and, I, and, I, and you talked earlier about you know, Lean Six, Six, Six Sigma and just-in-time inventory mm -hmm. models. What do you see co-ops doing right now kind of in response to supply chain um, issues? And are, are they changing their strategies as it pertains to inventory? They are. They are. They're, everyone, I think, is, uh, is trying to make sure they're in their own positive inventory position. Um, you know, it, one of the things that we truly try and balance is real demand versus what I would call panic buying. Um, and, and it's kind of self-fulfilling as, as lead times get longer, uh, people order more, which puts more um, stress on the process. Lead times go out further, people order more. And so it kind of dominoes out there. Um, but we are seeing people you know, get away from just in time, try and keep a little additional inventory on their on their shelves. Uh, we're seeing prioritization of, of projects. Um, you know, if there's only gonna be a finite amount of material to use, um, you, you probably need to balance priority of projects. Um, you, may, you may set new minimum levels of inventory that you're going to keep. Um, should a storm come through, if every bit of material you have that's critical to storm response is allocated to projects, 
uh, how are you going to respond to a storm? So I've, I've had some utilities say, look, you know, it used to be we always kept a minimum of 10 transformers available and they've increased that. And they've said, we're always going to, this is our floor. Here's where we're going to stay. Um, We've had some utilities um, talk about their work plans. Uh, we, we see, you know, most of the spend we see from the utilities is in two different forms. It's either going to be new projects, commercial or re residential, that are revenue producing. There's something new for the co-op or work plan jobs, which in most cases is the retirement of old lines and, and rebuilding with either larger wire, taking overhead to underground, doing something in that manner. So we've had some members say, we're going to pause a little bit on our work plan business. Um, we know interest rates are low and it'd really be a great time to do it. But because of the situation and supply chain, uh, we're going to slow that down a little bit. So uh, we, are seeing, we are seeing that trend and, and especially the prioritizing if we're only going to have a certain amount uh, who and how do we do it sure and i mean i think we're we're having those same conversations here at cherryland we we pride ourselves on the amount we invest in rebuilding our system on a regular basis but that we can't do that at the cost of not having something available to you know turn the power back on in the in the event of an outage or something like that. The other thing I think, and I suspect other co-ops are doing, but there's a whole member relations aspect to this as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we had, we've historically had a situation where, oh, you're building a subdivision, come get all the meter bases whenever you want. You can just take them out there that you're, you know, we'll just mm -hmm. give you a bunch of pad mount transformers and we may not hook them up for three years, but they're out there, they're ready. And now we're having to kind of have a closer communication relationship with our members because we want to release that product to them at the exact time that they're actually going to build and turn it on because we don't have as much confidence in the, in kind of our backup supply as we mm -hmm. maybe have historically. So I think you'll see you'll see more of that as well, which will just require a really strong relationship between the co-ops and the people they serve too. Yeah, and, and, I, and I would add to that, one of the things that we're trying very hard at RESCO to do is obviously communication on any of this is key, whether, whether it's internal communication between the purchasing group at a, at a member and the operations and the staking and, and all of that communication between our members and us, you know, the more notice we know of projects, the more we can plan and try and be prepared and we communicate then to our manufacturers. But the one thing I've, I've probably said too often, but I think is really important is that managing expectations. Um, we're working really hard to manage the expectations of our members and, and be as transparent as possible in, in what is real, what is realistic. And our hope would be, to your point, that member services and stakers and operations people are doing the same with the end user, the, the homeowner, the consumer, and saying, you know, it used to be we could build out a subdivision of 15 homes in six weeks. It's probably not going to happen in six weeks right now just because of material availability. Mm -hmm. So, again, communication and managing expectations, I think, are critical for everybody involved from the manufacturers and and their suppliers, uh, you know, when they don't get good information from the steel mills or whoever on when they're going to have product, they can't give us good information. So it, it really is important all the way through. Yeah. And I, and, and one thing that I, I find very valuable about our, our um, relationship with Resco is that it is a relationship and we view it as a long-term relationship and a partnership. And that 
changes how you think about this, right? Because then we are saying to you, like, here's a here's kind of a real pain point for us, or here's some something we really know is coming up in the future, and we're thinking we're going to be in this relationship with you all for a really long time. We've been we've been doing it for a while now. You've been you right. know you've been here for 36 years, or I mean since 1936. So we it, I think it gives us a different perspective on all of these things because you're not just our supplier you are our partner and because we view it as a partnership it changes how we we think through some of those challenges and and I and I wanted to do this podcast right now because I think you all and Cherryland have done a very good job of not necessarily having what's going on behind the scenes be visible to the members we serve. And that's something to be really proud of because it's just a tremendous advantage to them that we have Resco on our side. And, and it's, it's kind of great that they don't know you exist because that's a sign we're doing it well. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I appreciate the, the, the sentiment because it is true. And, and we look at it, you know, that we don't want to be just another supplier to our members. We want to bring value to the process and, and make sure that what we're doing makes your lives easier and that you can ultimately take care of your membership. Mm -hmm. So we have just a couple minutes left, but I was hoping you could, for this like last couple minutes, talk about what, what keeps you up at night. So as we're looking out over the next year or two, we know that these issues that are happening in the supply chain aren't going to just magically disappear. What are the risks that you all are kind of attending to and, and, and want co-ops to be aware of as we make our plans as well? I think the the biggest risk or what keeps me up is is the allocation position that we're in. Um, you know, it's it's unusual for us to be told you can only sell a specific amount of anything. Um, historically, the manufacturers, the distributors, um, our members, growth is critical, right? Everybody needs to grow and and not be stagnant and continue to have new opportunities. And and I think. Um, in this environment, growth is going to be a challenge. Um, when, you know, when we're given, everything's based on historical usage. And so when a manufacturer looks at us and says, well, Resco, in 2021, you bought um, a specific amount. And in 2022, we'll give you maybe 3% more than that, when we're all looking for 10 to 15% growth. So I, I think, Allocations are, are definitely a concern for me. And the fact that it's not a flip of a switch for the manufacturers to ramp up their capacity. Um, you know, they have four to six months lead time for the equipment they need to ramp up. They need space, they need employees. And so, uh, unfortunately, there's no quick fix. Um, what I would say is going back to the housing boom and then the housing burst of that bubble, things corrected themselves very quickly in 07, 08. Lead times that were hysterically, historically long um, all of a sudden went back to industry norm because things you know, changed that rapidly. I don't envision that in this situation. I think there's a lot of things in play. Um, we mentioned interest rates, we mentioned infrastructure bill, we mentioned demand outside of electric products. Um, I, I think we're in for, you know, a couple years of needing to manage and communicate very carefully. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And I mean, ultimately, what it what it reiterates is the need for strong demand side management um, 
strategies. And and I appreciate your point about growth, too, because you're right. There's always, I mean, and growth is great. <laughs> so obviously, and, and as an electric utility, the more kilowatt hours we can spread our cost across, the better we can keep our rates low for our members, which is ultimately the number one priority. And at the same time, that growth brings with it real challenges, and especially in a tight supply side market. Um, and and we'll, we'll continue to see that over the next couple of years. But I, I want to thank you again for taking the time to join us because I, what I hope, while we've talked about some real challenges, what I hope the listeners leave this podcast with is just a really high degree of confidence that they're well served by Cherryland and by extension by Resco as our, our supplier partner. So thank you for taking the time to kind of meet with us and talk through some of these issues today. And, and it might, and I have a feeling, Doug, we might see you on the podcast again. I don't think this well, is the last time we need to talk about supply chain. No, no. And, th- and thank you for including including me and, and Resco. And I can assure you uh, and your members, we're, we're doing everything we can to uh, be a, an assured source of supply and, and make sure we have the material you need. And, and I'd be happy to join in the future if you'd like. So thank you. Thanks, Doug. We appreciate your time. And again, that was Doug Booker, the VP of Sales and Manufacturer Relations at Resco. And I am Rachel Johnson, and I hope you'll join us again next time for Co-op Energy Talk. <music>